All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd firstly like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achervis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, O'Neill, and of course, even Strokes. For all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we have a cracking interview with special guest, JM Honda MXGP rider Brent Van Donick who's recovering from his nasty injury that occurred in Latvia. So how's life? And thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, life is good, actually. I've been enjoying it a lot, uh, cycling, uh, training again, doing what I love, you know. But, uh, yeah, still not on the bike. <laughs> that, uh, But I will be back soon, I think. Uh, like I said before, uh, uh, next week on Monday, I have a new scan. And uh, if everything looks like it, like it should be, then... Uh, I will be back on the bike, I think, next week. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's been three months already. And, uh, yeah, it's hard watching watching all these races and uh, and guys riding and, uh, and, and I'm sitting at home. So, uh, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Oh, mate, we're looking forward to having you back out there. I know it must have been tough because I believe you even went to the MXGP in Arnhem, mate. So how was that? And has the time off the bike, I guess, given you a chance to sort of mentally reset and recalibrate your focus and come back hungrier than ever as well? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's strange, but I feel like as I get a little bit older, I always feel every year that I, I feel more motivated and I feel like, yeah, I, I do it. Uh, I enjoy it more and more, I would say. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I was in Arnhem. Uh the track looked really good. It was a shame I couldn't ride. I think, uh, I think the the track uh, suited me. If 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 I, if I was riding, and uh, yeah, it's always nice to do a race a little bit uh, closer to home, of course, and uh, same like Lommel. And uh, but yeah, it is what it is. And but it was nice to see everyone again. Uh, I had time to to speak with uh, with a lot of people. You know, uh, something that we normally can't do because we don't have time you know so yeah it's cool to see everyone and and uh have a chat and yeah it was it was a good weekend yeah it would have been cool to get back in there even though you weren't racing but we'll just sort of rewind back to the injury obviously james and i spoke to you yeah just before then after france where you got eighth overall and you'd also had some other good races this year where obviously you had a few issues with the bike uh, mechanical issues which obviously have been getting sorted so you're really gathering some great momentum mate so just talk us through i guess the chain of events that led up to the injury and it just came at the worst possible time really didn't it and then after you do that just tell us about the recovery mate because it certainly sounded like a brutal injury yeah so in latvia it was in the first model uh just before the wave section we had this split section i was going outside and uh see where was going inside behind me but i don't know if you if you saw this video that he always hopped out of the the this inside line to the outside and he he catched me with his handlebar in uh yeah in my ribs i would say in the side of my uh my body and uh this uh put me off balance and i just yeah, whiskey throttled it over the this wall jump into the waist section and i landed off track straight on my hip i think and I felt right away that it, yeah, I dislocated my hip because I actually had it uh, the first time seven years ago. I also dislocated my hip, but I have not, but I didn't have anything damaged 
uh, uh, I was, yeah, I, I was pretty lucky at that time. And uh, I was back on a bike after three weeks already. And uh, in the Very seven years, I never had problems with it. <laughs> so now again, the hip was out. But yeah, it it was a disaster, to be honest, there uh, at the racetrack. It, they left me at the side of the track for almost one hour or the, oh. at least the whole race. And uh, then they took a scan at the track and then they saw, uh, yeah, the, the uh, a piece of bone or like a pretty big piece broke off the, the bowl. I would say, so they were not able to put it, put it back in there, and then yeah, they had to call an ambulance and to the hospital, and then five hours later, they uh, they finally put me to sleep to pull the hip back in. So yeah, five hours is way too long, of course, and uh, yeah, it was a nightmare there. <laughs> I was happy to be back home and uh, and get this surgery done to fix everything. Oh, yeah. mate, that's brutal. So you say that medical attention probably wasn't quite good enough or quick enough at the particular time there, mate, because that's a long time to be having it out and not to get the you know medical attention you really needed. Yeah, I felt like they were they were really helpful. They wanted to help me, but I I, I felt like no one didn't really knew what what they were doing. Or uh, yeah, it was. And everything took so long. Like they wanted to pull it back in there, but then they saw I I broke off of, uh, a piece of the bowl, and then yeah, they had to bring me to the hospital, and then there again they let they left me there in the hallway for one hour. So uh, yeah, to be honest, I thought everything was a little bit more organized. Uh, yeah. So this is something for the future. I hope they they learned something about this. Uh, that uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, they didn't really treat me like they they should. Uh, I felt like uh, five hours is way too long for a hip to be out. Also for the blood uh, circulation and everything. And uh, but yeah, lucky everything is okay. They could yeah they fixed it well at home. And uh, so yeah, I mean I will I will be back hundred percent. But it could have been worse also, you know, because everything took so long. But yeah, it it was a nightmare. <laughs> oh. Mate, it must have been shocking. How was the pain throughout that period? It must have been pretty excruciating, I'd imagine. Yeah, they gave me good painkillers, of course. But uh, <laughs> after a while, because I, I got, so, I got so much of it, it didn't really help anymore. Like mm. the, I remember, like in the beginning, every time they gave me more, it, it was, the pain was, uh, was alright. But then after in the hospital, when it, yeah, it just didn't help anymore. Yeah, it was it was pretty painful. <laughs> oh, mate, you were saying last time you had a little knee issue that you wanted to get fixed up as well. So is that all sorted now? Because I think you were saying you wanted to wait till the end of the season because you'd need a few weeks off to recover from that. So has this given you a chance to fix that up? Yeah, to be honest, I didn't have any problems anymore uh, since they did this small uh, surgery that I had. So it looks like it uh, it healed or in, in some somehow. So. Uh, I will definitely have another checkup, but I think it will be fine. I don't have to fix it or like, yeah, it, it looks like my body found a way to heal it by by itself or something <laughs> in yeah. my knee. And it was it was just a, a small issue actually. So even if I uh, if they have to do something, I will be only uh, out for a week or so. So that's not a big deal. Uh, I will have another checkup for this also, but uh, at the moment it looks fine. So I don't think that. Uh, I need it to 
yeah, that I need to fix it, to be honest. Oh, that's but, one positive, mate. That's for sure. And yeah, you find, yeah, for sure. I guess, the stages of recovery after that, you obviously got yourself back home and then it's just been small steps getting to where you are today and then back cycling and then fingers crossed you're back on the bike soon, mate. And I guess looking towards next season. Yeah. Uh, first, I was hoping to still do some races this year, to be honest. But uh, uh, yeah. Last time when I saw my doctor, he said, like, yeah, normally an injury like this takes uh, uh, maybe four months for uh, for a regular guy. Or, uh, But now I'm a little bit ahead already and everything looks so good that that's why, so that's why I can start riding already this month, maybe. And uh, But, yeah, it's still a shame that, uh, yeah, I wish I could ride the last two GPs, but, yeah, it's too soon. Yeah, I believe Christian Craig and Nate Thrasher have done the dislocated hips this year as well, mate. So have you heard anything yeah. from them? Have you been sharing any recovery tips or keeping track of progress that way as well or not really? No, not really. But I must say when uh, Christian, when he, uh, when Christian Greg, he, uh, so his biggest injury was actually his elbow. Yeah. What I saw. But, and then after, I remember that after eight weeks or something, then normally he was able to start training again. And then I saw that he broke off some bolts and the bone didn't heal. And uh, and this scared me so much, man. Like, yeah. at the same time, I had also my checkup. And I was, oh, I, I remember I was sitting there. I was so scared. Like, what if this if this, if this, this would happen to me also, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that the bone didn't heal or uh, or something. And uh, But luckily, it was all fine. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Then what he's been through must, uh, must have been hard also. I can't imagine that. Like after eight weeks, you you go back to the doctor and he says uh, we have to do it all again. Yeah, that must be uh, oh, so frustrating. Oh, mate, because you guys you were basically all in on this motocross dream since your kids. So yeah, massive yeah. hit when something like this happens, and especially for you this year as well. You finally found a really good team. You were happy with. You were happy with the bike. You know, obviously yeah. the riding's been great. You're a complete package on all surfaces. You were saying you found the base and you weren't really making too many changes weekend to weekend. Everything was really looking good, mate. You obviously found that right framework for you to succeed. And I guess just tell us a little bit more about that and how happy you were with Jackie, who's a master with the bikes and all the mechanics. And, you know, the last time we spoke, you were always having a good laugh with the mechanics. James, get the guy's names mixed up with Cam. Yeah, stuff. So Look like the vibe and atmosphere is great, mate. So have you been sort of hanging around the team still or maybe helping with training, anything like that while you've been away? Yeah, I've, I mean, if Camden is riding, uh, yeah, once a week I will go and watch him. Or uh, the workshop, the workshop is only fifteen minutes away from my from my place. So, yeah, uh, at least once a week I was there just to hang out with them a little bit and uh, sit on my bike, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 nice. And I'm also really good friends with Yentl. We have we've been doing a lot of cycling together. Um, the uh, Yentl is the son of Jackie, of course, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's always a really good atmosphere, and uh, and like you said, uh, he built me a great bike also this year, and uh, he does everything by himself, like suspension wise, and and uh, so yeah, everything was was going really well, and uh, but again, it's a shame that I yeah got injured, and but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, mate. And your mechanic, Jerome, he's still running those marathons and stuff without you there. Have they found some extra work for him to do while you've been out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe as a, he, he doesn't have that much time anymore because uh, lately he has a girlfriend. 
Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, these mechanics, they have so much work. And then I can imagine that when they're done working, they have to spend some time with their girlfriends, of course. So uh, I don't think he's doing that much marathons anymore. <laughs> no, but I don't oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> and now, how have you found Camden and Delvin Toy, your teammates' progress? It's obviously good to be seeing them doing well. Obviously, he's had an injury too, Delvin Toy, and Camden's had his injury issues earlier in the season. So must be pretty cool to help those guys, and I'm sure they're grateful for your input because you've got a lot of experience, mate, different teams, different bikes and things like that. I'm sure you could impart your knowledge onto them, but especially Camden, it's been great to see you know, his rise in the second half of the season, I guess, starting with Lockett. So pretty cool for that for the team as well to bring some positives. Yeah, Camden was doing great. Uh, I remember his first race, uh, or like his first really good race in Lockett. I think we were all a little bit surprised. Like, uh, yeah, actually, the 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 his next step was a, a top ten position, but he he skipped a step and he went straight to top five. So <laughs> yeah, that was really cool to see. I was I was standing up and screaming in front of the TV. I remember this race, and yeah, it was was uh, really cool and. Uh, even the races after, or uh, I mean, he, he keeps on improving. I feel like uh, now this this weekend in in Turkey he had a he had a, a difficult day. Uh, I heard he didn't feel so well, and uh, but uh, I'm sure that he he wants to end this this year strong. And uh, yeah, Delvin Torre is uh, he's improving. You know, his sand skills are improving, but it's not easy uh, uh, for a young guy when. When you're not used to ride sand tracks and you come from, yeah, from Indonesia and uh, the level is of is, is of course way higher, and uh, yeah, uh, I hope for him for him he's uh, is doing another year next year. I think if he could be here the whole winter, then uh, it 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 yeah he he still have some uh, improvement. I see I still see improvement in uh, in him and. Uh, but it's not easy, of course. You know how high the level is, and uh, yeah, it's and and also he had some he had some issues with his visum, so he couldn't be here all the time, and that's okay. a, that's a really important, of course, uh, to uh, to keep improving. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a cool guy, also actually. He's a really nice guy, guy really helpful, and uh, he's always in a good mood. So uh, yeah, it's nice to have these guys uh, around you. Yeah, he seems really humble, happy, just grateful for the opportunity and just wants to learn. I guess yeah. it's a great opportunity because, you know, where he's yeah. come from, he hasn't been exposed to the, the level of competition, the different tracks and having you guys help him, it must be so awesome for him because remember last time, one of the key sort of takeaways from the podcast we did was just the absolute ridiculous speed at MXGP at the moment and finding the balance yeah. and finding the limit, it's so hard because you really need to take a lot of risk to get inside that top 10, isn't it, mate? It's just the competition's crazy yeah. right now. So, yeah, just to expand a little bit on that, mate, because it really is brutal. Yeah, the, I feel like every year the, the level gets higher and higher. And uh, it's. I feel like if I finish 7th or 8th or I finish like 10th, 11th, I feel like, uh, yeah, I didn't ride better or... Uh, I didn't put more uh, effort in. It's uh, yeah, it's hard. You really have to be there from the first lap, have a good start. Luckily, this luckily this uh, improved a lot with me this year. My start because last year this was a disaster. I always have to, had to come from uh, from the back, and uh, yeah, now uh, when I got injured, I felt like many guys. Uh, 
got injured as well. Like uh, I feel, I feel like when yeah. I was still riding, everyone was still at the on the gate, except for uh, Geyser and uh, and Paul Jonas. But then when I got injured, uh, I think uh, eight or nine top guys were out. So that was that was crazy. Uh, it made me feel like I was not alone, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's the risks are uh, yeah. The risks are high, and I know I, every year it will get worse and worse. I think the bike, the bikes also get faster. Uh, yeah, that's that's the the risk of the sport. Oh yeah, mate, it's crazy. And what do you think of the you know the battle we've had with Fever and Prado? Obviously, Prado just keeps sort of doing his thing and managing the races, winning a lot of the time. Two out of three of the motos, if you include the qualifying race, so. How have you been watching from afar? It's pretty impressive what Fever is doing. Obviously, he's won six of the last eight overalls. Prado just keeps chugging along, but he's still, you know, he's still laying it on the line, trying to keep his foot on the throat too. It's not like he's completely managing things. He's still pushing the limits pretty hard. He obviously had an off weekend, but pretty impressive what he's doing. He's only won two overalls, I believe. So to have that lead mm-hmm. in the championship, obviously the injury to Hurlings and so many other guys, like you've mentioned, is sort of allowed those two to break away. Even Fevra had his no score in Spain. So it's crazy yeah. the level, mate, but just your takeaways from, I guess, watching MXGP. And there's really, like you said, if you don't get a good start, it's so hard because you only really see Fevra and Hurlings kind of go through the pack lately, don't you, mate? So even the heavy hitters, if they're outside from the start, it's always no coming back, isn't there? No, uh, it's so hard to, to, even the tracks, like I feel... Every year it gets gets worse. It gets harder to to pass. I don't know if it's because of the tracks or if everyone gets smarter, you know, uh, when riding. And uh, I feel like you have to be really on it and and smart. And you can see like these top guys; they always find places to pass. And uh, yeah, Fevre and 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 Prado, they they've been outstanding this 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 last uh, races or half of the season, uh, especially Fevre. But yeah, uh, Prado is so good at uh, at this quality races also, and uh, he's he's always in in this top three position, you know, with the uh, with the starts, and uh, yeah, Fevre in Spain. Actually, we we went down together. I think we were with five riders in the quality race. So if this 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 didn't happen to him, then uh, probably it would have been closer to to uh, to Prado, but. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a level of it's of uh, consistency, you know, and uh, it's uh, like you said, you have to be in the top five every race in the start. Otherwise, you can forget about it. I think. Yeah, no, it's interesting, mate. You made a good point about the tracks there. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about that, especially I guess in the last couple of months. You've had tracks like Sweden, with you got Fevre saying this is not really motocross when you can't pass or do anything, and there's a lot of strange obstacles, obviously, which has got slowing the speed down in mind, but it didn't really promote great racing, which the weather didn't help that weekend anyway. And you know, there's a lot of choice words about you know those really narrow tracks, I guess, like Vanter and Sweden as well, it makes it so hard to pass on those four fifties. There's just not much room, so. I guess it would be nice to have a few different tracks, wider tracks like you see in America. They're just massive. There's so much room for those guys to move. So it would be yeah, just cool to have some bigger tracks. Obviously, it's a logistical nightmare organising the series. But 
I suppose it throws up all different challenges and it is a world championship. So your guys are supposed to be tested, but just there's been some pretty interesting words from the riders on it. They have they've developed and I guess you got the junior classes racing as well, which minimizes that guys have to do track time. So just your thoughts on all of that, mate. Yeah, Sweden was one of the most boring races I ever saw, I think. It <laughs> it was it was just like a, one long train riding riding around the track and uh it was because of the rain of course that uh that there was only one good line available but i think there are maybe too many classes riding at one day so they don't have enough time to prep the track otherwise they could have maybe uh uh push some more mud or dirt off the track and make some new lines with the dozer you know so but there are so many classes riding on one day that uh, the the track builders just don't have time to to uh to change some lines or or whatever and uh and yeah like you in the us it, it, it always has been like this huh? always wide tracks uh three to six uh lines in one corner you know and it makes it much more uh spectacular to watch because there are much more passes and and but yeah, I'm not a track builder. I don't know what uh, <laughs> what I have to do to uh, to make it to make the racing better. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. They put all the framework in place for it to be really awesome, and I guess that's the showpiece, the MXGP. Obviously, with things yeah. like the age rule, they really promote that class, and obviously everyone tunes in and they kind of want to be treated to the best action. Like we've had many yeah. great GPs this year, but you know, there's some that have just been sort of let down by the tracks. And they were saying in Sweden, they had all the excellent machines. I think Prado was mentioning in the press conference, they had all the equipment there to do the stuff they needed to do. It was probably just, they were battling for time. So I know you're definitely a man that likes the two-day format, aren't you? We were saying last time, as opposed to the, the one day you called yourself the diesel, just likes to build into the weekend, get the practice times down. But is there any sort of idea of running the AMX classes on the Saturday with the qualifying race and then just having the main classes on the Sunday? It's probably something that could be looked at, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel actually feel like with, uh, with COVID, when we had this uh, one-day event, uh just on sunday i felt like the track was more uh yeah m- maybe more lines to pass and and because they have more time to change stuff on the track the track builders and uh for passing this would have would be better i think to just do all the emx stuff on on saturday and then uh mx2 and mgp on sunday but for me yeah i like the two-day event uh because i'm uh um yeah i got better i got better in it a little bit but time practice has always been hard for me <laughs> yeah. and uh like you say i'm a little bit of a, a diesel and uh yeah i don't know but i was watching some old races also from uh let's say around 2006 and or even earlier and uh you can they, they've been riding the same tracks like uh Udavala and and, and Tuchenta also and yeah you can really see that back in these days they didn't rip the track that much and uh, they didn't make so many bowl turns and you can really see the guys more cutting the track and and uh, this makes it easier to pass also I think I think they still rip it a little bit too much sometimes and all these uh, bowl turns and and yeah they can easily make it a little bit wider I think but uh, of course for they want to make it look nice for the tv and with all the banners and and stuff but uh for racing i think 
it's better to take all the stuff away and do it a little bit more old school again maybe and you you will definitely get more uh, more lines or passing uh, opportunities i think yeah i remember we were speaking last time that's some great insight there mate hey you don't mind the old school tracks like in france that you did really well in and you just as riders you want more areas to make the difference don't you and sort of elevate and show what you can make of you know in certain areas obviously different guys different strengths on different circuits but one that i wanted to ask you about was also did you get to the lummel gp obviously the team's workshops pretty close to there mate or right there really but yeah what did you think of the new layout there obviously a lot of guys were saying they struggle with the flow and how the bumps developed they couldn't really piece it together as they would have liked it was very physically demanding so did you get to that one and did you have any thoughts on it as well yeah uh the track uh how they changed it uh would have been a little bit in my advantage advantage i think because when when a sand track gets slower because I really took the speed out, then uh, for a sand rider, uh, you can make more difference, I think, because you're used to pulling the bike from low speeds. And I feel like uh, fast sand tracks, you can see like the guys that are not used to ride a lot of sand, they can still get on pretty good on fast sand tracks. But as soon as it gets really slow and really deep, yeah, it's it's much harder, and you can really uh, see the difference be- between real sand riders and 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 uh, and guys that are not used to it. So I really liked it how uh, how they they did the layout, but I think they were a little bit too much uh, one eighty to degrees corners. I think uh, also for the spectators. To be honest, I thought it it uh, I thought they changed the track really for the spectators so they can see a little bit more. Yeah. But I didn't think it it was better. Also, from other people that I talked to, uh, they said, yeah, that actually the, the the previous years it was it was even better. But uh, I think the track uh, still has to develop a little bit in this new layout. It always takes a little bit time to uh, to shape, you know, like for the bumps to shape. You know what I mean, like. It's it's always when they change the track. Like uh, sometimes they do, they do another track in the, in the opposite direction, and the bumps feel so weird, you know. And I think next year it will be much better when we had uh, when when we had one winter already and and some rain, and then you will see that the track uh, uh, develops better and it will be much yeah easier to ride. And also, I think. Yeah, nice one, mate. It definitely threw up some challenges in that wave section. Definitely caught a few guys out as well, mate. Pretty long and lots of jumps in there. So definitely kept them honest. And I guess with the Belgian Motocross the Nations team, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Obviously, you would have been a prime candidate if you were healthy. So, but yeah, Everts, Koonin and Yago, pretty exciting team, mate. It's great to see the young talents coming through. And even, you know, other guys like Jeremy Van Horbeek doing well in his fill-in ride this year. And obviously, Sasha Koonin's a reserve rider. He's made some really good strides this year, had his ups and downs like all of them. But yeah, the talent's so impressive. And Liam Everts is, yeah, I guess still technically in that title hunt. He's keeping Adamo honest and he's just been, you know, really impressive with his technique, letting his riding do all the talking. And yeah, Lucas Kuhn and yeah, what a star in the making, isn't he? His speed, mentality, it's pretty frightening. So much skill. And same as Yago, just sad his year's been ruined by injury. Definitely should have had that title. But another guy who'll be stepping into MXGP next year to make the class even stronger. So just your thoughts on those guys, mate. They should have a pretty good crack. I guess maybe a podium is probably the expectation for those guys. And what do you think? Yeah, it's it's a really strong team. I, I'm sure Liam will do uh, will do great on the on the 350 also because he's so he's such a technical rider. So uh, 
I'm sure he he knows how to handle a, a three fifty, and it's it, it's it's also closer to a two fifty, of course, uh, the way it rides and the way it refs and stuff. So uh, because Erne is so technical and 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 grippy, it's not easy to to ride a four fifty there for the first time. So I think it's a it's a good decision to put him on the three fifty, and uh, yeah, also Lucas Kuhn is is doing great. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of a young Basha, actually. You know, he's always fired up and and he goes down <laughs> sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing how how good he does at at such a young age. And uh, also his brother uh, Sasha, I see him and I see him uh, coming closer and closer to the top guys. But uh, it's it's hard for a. Uh, for a little guy like him, I, I think to do because it's a really strong and, and fast bike. I think this this KTM, and uh, yeah, he will. He still he still needs a little bit more time than his brother, but that, but that's not a shame. Of course, he's uh, he's only seventeen. I think sixteen. Hmm. So uh, yeah, these guys have <laughs> they for sure have a a, a nice future ahead, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Iago showed already last year how how good he is on the four fifty. So, uh, yeah, a podium for sure, and yeah, who knows, maybe a win. You know, that would be nice for Belgium. Are you going to be going, mate? Yeah, I don't know yet because uh, if I can start riding again next week, then for sure the next few weeks I just want to ride my bike and 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 do what I love. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I might I might come and and watch maybe. Uh, I don't know yet, but I'll see what uh, how I feel or like what I feel like doing, you know, that weekend. <laughs> oh, it'll be awesome to see you back out there, mate, because obviously James will yeah. playing those awesome whip videos and some of those cool little edits we had of you, mate. So it'd be good to get them pumped oh, yeah. again in that Acherby's kit, which was looking pretty fresh as well. Yeah, 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 it was cool. Some cool videos this year and uh, the gear was always really nice with, uh, with the shooting bikes and uh, yeah. Nah, mate, it'd be great to be back out there. And just, we've got obviously a lot of American listeners and listeners from all over, like Australia. And we didn't really touch on it last time, but I guess just talk about how you got into motocross as a kid and who your idols were. And I guess how key your family were to get into where you are today as well. Yeah, I, I think I started riding when I was uh, oh, four to five years old. And then I did my first race when I was six, I think. I got my first bike actually from my grandpa because my dad, he was a rider before, but he he knew uh what risks it brought you know like uh, with the sport with injuries and stuff he, he himself he had, he had also a few uh yeah injuries like he dislocated his shoulders a few times and but as soon as he saw me riding on the bike then he was uh yeah straight into it you know like uh both my mom and dad they they were really into it and uh yeah from a young age uh i was riding with guys like uh uh, I would say uh, a Brian Bogers, uh, Michel Bordeaux back in the days, he was really good. Uh, Tim Geiser, uh, yeah, but I was never, uh, I was good, but I was never really like a title contender. I would say I got much better as soon as soon as I stepped on a bigger bike, like a one to five and a two fifty, and uh, but I must say from my eighty five cc days, I I got really good help from Stefan actually from Stefan Everts and uh, and KTM they got a deal uh, together for me uh this yeah this was a big help of course for us and 
I was doing races like especially the the ADAC races in Germany and uh, a few European championship races but only the ones that were a little bit closer to home we never did like this 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 rounds like in Romania or uh, yeah so uh, no there were nice good days you know I mean uh, from a young age I, I only wanted to do one thing and I was riding a dirt bike so uh, school was hard for me <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty cool mate you look back and you think you've turned your dreams into reality it's pretty awesome and I guess what were the key milestones and achievements growing up and were there sort of a particular point where you could, you know, recognize this is my time to become a professional? Did you have a couple of those moments too? Yeah, I think my first ever race on a one to five was the European Championship, the EMX one to five uh, in Bulgaria. That was actually the first year that they started with with this uh, uh, with this class, I think, or maybe the second year. And then I first finished second in my uh, in my uh, in, in the first race in Bulgaria, and then. From that moment on, I think we, uh, yeah, we saw that uh, there was some potential to be a professional rider, you know. So, uh, yeah, from that day it was all in. Uh, even before, already, I, I must say, uh, but I always did, did everything by myself on a young age, also like working, working on my bike and stuff. So I stopped school a little bit earlier than 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 uh, than uh, normal guys around here just so I had more time to work on my own bike and go training because uh, when you're a football player, it's easy. When you come back from school, you put your uh, your football shoes on and you, and you, and you go train. But uh, as a rider, it's, it's, it's not that easy, of course. Uh, there's a lot of work after and before riding, you know, <laughs> prepping a bike. And, and, uh, but I loved, I loved everything about it, even working on my bike. I still do. I still love to work on a bike these days sometimes. <laughs> That's cool, mate. I guess, who were your idols growing up? You mentioned Stefan there before, but did you have any other guys that were sort of key in the formative years for you? Uh, yeah, for sure. Ricky Carmichael. I was a big fan of Ricky Carmichael. I remember watching, watching him with my, uh, with my dad at uh, the Nations in, in Solder back in the days. I think it was like uh, maybe 2003, mm. 2002. I don't remember. And uh, I remember us standing there at that Finnish table jump and uh i ne- we never saw uh like yeah in the us they were all whipping and 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 stuff already uh they were way ahead of this stuff you know and uh i remember just standing there and uh watching ricky carmichael whip his bike every lap over that uh, table tabletop and yeah that was so cool and uh yeah i was always looking up to a lot of american riders i would say yeah yeah, mate, they're definitely good to watch. And I guess when you look back on your journey, you must be really grateful for the sacrifice of your family and how important they were for making it happen for you, mate, because without them, it's probably not possible for a lot of kids to make their way in this sport. And like you said, there's so much to go into it, resources, time. You know, it's not just like soccer where you can get some boots and a ball and you're good to go. So I guess you got any thoughts on how important they were for you? Yeah, for sure. If I didn't have had my, my mom and dad, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been here, you know. Uh they uh, sacrificed a lot and uh, my dad he, he worked day and night in his garage you know to, to get everything uh, sorted and and, and uh, he, we drove a lot of kilometers with a uh, with a camper you know to all these races and uh, yeah it's like you say but I think this is the same story for uh, for every rider you know 
motocross brings a lot of sacrifices and it's yeah yeah it's tough i think a lot of people that don't know anything about motocross they uh they don't really see this or realize this uh i still see i still talk to a lot of people that that never saw motocross in their life and they they don't really get it and they don't really see why we do it why we do this because it's a risky sport and and yeah it's uh it's a virus you know (laughs) first time you step on the bike you uh yeah it's 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 for life i would say yeah well said mate and obviously that comes with that you just want to keep getting better and better and the improvement comes and then you got obviously got to be so physically fit to do it because it literally is one of the most demanding sports in the world if not the most demanding so and then you know there's so much you got to deal with and how do you deal with the confidence and the mental side of the sport because that can be a real game changer in your performance as well can't it mate and you kind of don't want to be in a bad space because you can be defeated before you've already started so if you have a few ways to keep the confidence high obviously the results help just sort of do a few other things mental exercises and all this as well I was always struggling a little bit mentally before and uh, I did go to a mental coach for this, but this is already a few years back and this didn't really help. And I I just felt like I have to fix it by myself. Like no one can help me with this stuff. It's just confidence. And uh, I felt like I was always a little bit scared to fail in some way. But yeah, I found a way to to figure it out a little bit. And uh, I feel like this last... Two years or yeah, even three years. Uh, especially when I when I stepped on the four fifty, it got way better. And uh, yeah, it's re- it's 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 uh, it's a real mental sport, of course, because we race every weekend. And it's for some people, it's it's hard to stay motivated every week. Uh, I don't see another sport that races every weekend uh, besides MotoGP or uh, Formula One, maybe, but. Uh, yeah, uh, if you're a kickboxer or a MMA fighter, you fighter you you train for uh, for a month or two, three, and then you have your uh, your fight, and then it's then it's over actually for uh, for a half year. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a long year, it's a long season, and uh, it's even worse in in the US with all this. Uh, even now with this uh, super motocross. Uh, uh, stuff so yeah i think you have to figure everything out by yourself and uh no one really can help you with this stuff i think yeah definitely when you're on the gate it's all you isn't it mate all that work sort of comes into play and i guess for you would you have any advice for kids growing up in your region or anywhere in the world you hear a lot of things about you know training in facilities these days which sort of can fast track streamline you know that environment really competitive racing against guys we usually race against it's sort of that kind of thing going on a lot of the place or you know here you know Matthias Jorgensen say you know when he's growing up in Scandinavia and Denmark you know that cold weather those brutal days they sort of mold you and make you pretty tough and resilient so you know it's good to have that base when you're growing up so I guess what would you say is the best approach or just do what works for you in your circumstances and hope you've got the mindset and the skill and the talent and the hard work to go as far as possible yeah and also uh like myself I feel uh I had a few really tough years when I uh when I stepped away or like when I had to uh when they put me out of the team with the uh, Kimea when I had to look for another team when it was Factory Yama these next two years after they were really hard for me uh, because I went. I was in such a professional team, and I, and then after I, 
always yeah got into, into these smaller teams and uh, I was struggling a lot and yeah there were days that it didn't look so bright anymore but uh, I never gave up and uh, I think a lot of people also didn't expect me to to be at this level again uh, so in this way you can see that you should never give up and because you never know, you know, it, it might just turn around again one day, you know. And uh, that's basically what happened with me a little bit. And uh, I see many guys uh, quitting a little bit too soon also. As soon as they feel like uh, yeah, it's hard to find a team again. and uh, But it's not a shame to, uh, to do everything by yourself again a little bit, you know. Like uh, I did this also one year. I went back to... Uh, doing English championships and because I didn't find a team to, to ride MXGP and I was doing everything by myself at home and I had some friend some help from a friend here uh, uh, with, the, with the bike he was uh, helping out with the bike and and uh, yeah I was just racing to to improve myself again and uh, to get back into the in the picture you know and, uh, and so yeah this is yeah. something that uh I see more and more often with kids that uh, they give up uh, quicker, you know. That's definitely a testament to your mental fortitude, mate. You know, just keep battling out and get back into the elite level, mate, because, yeah, there's definitely tough times when people think of throwing it in. And I guess with motocross, the rider can make such a big difference, even though it's obviously ideal having one of those factory bikes that gives you a, a huge, you know, uplift in performance as well and probably some confidence associated with that but i guess you know there's so many good riders out there and everyone's sort of getting promoted into the mxgp class with the age rule it must be kind of cool for a rider like you and exciting to have you know more factory teams like triumph and ducati coming in the way in the next couple of years mate so i guess that's something that excites you because you know the level of risk and everything you go through you guys definitely don't get paid enough you know covering european soccer as well it's amazing what those guys get paid especially the amount of you know games and risk they go through compared to you guys it's definitely not right no uh if you see what happened this year with me with my hip you know it's uh yeah it's ridiculous like uh for what we get paid compared to to soccer players or uh, <laughs> or whatever you know i mean uh yeah and I don't see it changing uh, in the next few years, to be honest. It's just the, the sport is still not popular enough, I think. And um, yeah, that's why we, we still don't have enough sponsors in the, in, in the, in the sport. But uh, like you say, with these new teams, you know, coming up, these new factory teams, it makes it also a little bit easier for young guys going from MX2 to MXGP. Because I remember when I was, yeah. That's what happened with me when I went from when I had to move up. I didn't find a team because I was not a a top rider at that moment. You know, I had a few. Uh, I had a top five and I had a few good races, but that's not enough to to get into uh, an MXGP team. And uh, and yeah, then there's some yeah these guys that 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 pay for their rides. I would say they also uh, mess it up a little bit. You know, for some guys, for some riders. Uh, but that's just how it is, you know. Uh, you can't really blame them for that or, or whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, that's a sport. And uh, you see there's also in other sports, I think. But like you say, with the new teams coming up, uh, with these new factory teams, it, it will make it a little bit better for uh, young guys also. Yeah, because that MXGP step from MX2 is absolutely massive, isn't it? Like you see a lot of the top AMX250 guys, those top guys there go straight into MX2 and do a pretty good job like we've seen in France this year with 
guys like Rossi and Zanke stepping up and straight in the top 10. So, and you imagine Bonacorsi, he's going to be straight in MX2 and be doing well. But that MXGP step's massive. And especially when you're racing against guys that have been there for so long, Hurlings and Fevra and Prado, Geisa, you know, it's massive in the bikes they have the experience they have it really is tough for young guys looking to make that step up mate so especially on usually equipment that's a lot inferior to theirs so it's so hard to bridge that gap isn't it mate so to get to where you're coming from you must look back and think that's really satisfying you know getting in the top tens on the verge of top fives is pretty cool mate i reckon so should give yourself a bit of respect for that yeah like i said before uh, i think many people didn't expect me to do this uh to still yeah do this I mean, many, many people thought it was over after uh, after my first year in the 450, you know, racing in England. Uh, but yeah, I never gave up and I took that chance with Gabba when I uh, when Kelvin was uh, injured. And uh, I gave it my all that weekend in Arco <laughs> and uh, I had a few strong uh, finishes. So uh, yeah, that made people realize that uh, I still had it, I think. And, and uh, from that moment on, I... Uh, I, I worked really hard and uh, I feel every I feel like every year uh, I get to know myself better and better in the, in a physical way and what I have to do to to get better and uh, yeah some guys just need more time you know and you can see this also back uh, with 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 Zach, uh, Osborne yep he was also really competitive at an older age and he was also struggling a little bit before that I think and uh, yeah. Some guys just need more time, maybe, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I can do this until I'm 40 years old. <laughs> but <laughs> you, we never know, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, it, everything can turn around again. But like, I feel at the moment, uh, I feel like, yeah, I can. I still have. There's still improvement in myself. I think. Uh, also for next year, uh, I, I want to be closer to this uh, top five spot, and and and. Uh, so, yeah, we will work for this. Yeah, mate, it's exciting times ahead. And I guess on one day, you would have been not minding having the chance racing in America. I guess your thoughts on the racing there and how good the Lawrence brothers have been and obviously decimated by injuries and a lot of European guys were making the trip over. So I guess your thoughts on that and it would have been pretty cool, mate. You could have slotted into the top five quite nicely, I reckon. Yeah, this year, man, I saw a few races like in Southwick when uh, Butron finished six and one, one race, I was like, damn, I wish I was there, you know? <laughs> But uh, it's hard to, uh, yeah. I feel like if I want to make that step and go to the US, of course, uh, a Supercross career is already too late, you know? Like, yeah. you have to do this from a young age. And to get a deal only for outdoors is really difficult. Or uh, you have, yeah, or you're, like, replacing someone else, you know, that got injured or uh, somehow or whatever. And, and also, uh, I see some of these guys going there, uh a little bit as a privateer and uh, get a bike sorted there but uh, i feel like if i go there i want to do it good for a good team so uh you can really show what you got uh, what you got and, and and yeah i don't feel like going there on a private bike uh everything's stock and then yeah you know what i mean like if i go there i want to i want to go for it like a hundred percent but uh yeah this is something uh i mean I hope before uh, my career ends that I can for sure do maybe one year, one race uh, somewhere in the US, you know, like, uh, like I really like Ironman. This yeah. looks like a, a really nice track, really cool track. Uh, many passing opportunities also, different lines. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, this would be cool to do to to uh, to do a race there once. Oh, that'd be awesome, mate. And I guess you've been following it all. It should be pretty interesting to see the SMX playoffs this weekend happen, see how it all pans out with the format. It's all a bit different, but the prize money is definitely good for the guys. And also, before I let you go, who is your pick for the motocross the nations, mate? Who do you think gets the job done? I guess Belgium's really strong. Australia, Netherlands, France, USA, Italy, Germany has a solid team. Australia, obviously, for me, I'm excited, mate. But yeah, your thoughts on it all and who do you think will win? Yeah, the, the, the Lawrence brothers, they will be really competitive, of course. It's in Europe again, so that makes it also a little bit different, you know? Really technical track, but uh, uh, I see Belgium also being on the podium. Uh, France is also really strong. Uh, it's hard to say. There are so many strong mm-hmm. teams this year. Also, like, complete teams, you know? Yeah. They are... I think there's not a... There's no B rider somewhere in a team. You know what I mean? Like, they're all good teams, complete teams. So, uh, yeah, it will be excited. I, I I'm, can't really say, like, uh, who's going to win or uh, who will be on the podium, to be honest. There's so many good teams. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And just before we let you go, mate, anyone you'd like to thank in particular with the journey, I guess, and all the recovery you've gone through. And just, yeah, future aims, mate. We look forward to getting you back on the bike and it's going to be exciting, mate. It's going to give you a real boost once that happens because it's been a long journey for you, mate. A lot of sort of blood, sweat and tears after that one in Latvia. So, yeah, thank you again for taking the time as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it were definitely hard times, especially these two weeks after the injury. So uh, I want to thank the the whole JM team, of course, you know, for standing behind me and uh, my parents, my girlfriend, my private sponsors, uh, They've been a big help to me uh, during this uh, this difficult times. And yeah, I mean, without them, it, it would have been much harder, of course. Uh, so yeah, a big thanks to them. And uh, yeah. Awesome, mate. Cheers. And yeah, thanks again for taking the time. We'll just thank our sponsors for this one in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK. O'Neill and of course even Strokes for all their incredible support as without them none of this would be possible alright cheers again Brent and all the best with everything mate look forward to seeing you back out there and hope everything goes smoothly from here and yeah we'll chat again soon yeah sure thanks for having me no worries mate pleasure see ya bye bye